All right, we on. This is Mel. Everybody say hello to Mel. Mel runs her advantage and she is someone that I'm really excited to talk to because um, I know that in the fitness and in the diet industry, we often get fucking just kicked in the vagina <laughs> by these protocols and these diets and these extremes. And we wind up in places that we don't want to be with our bodies just, <laughs> just being hot garbage. And um, Mel is one of the people that people go to and get help from for a lot of different conditions and situations, um, specifically PCOS and endometriosis. Is there other, is, is it those two specific things or do you cover a few wider things? It's like at the end of the day, it's all energy based. It's all hormonal based. So I started out as PCOS and the more I sort of spoke about PCOS, women were like, Hey, I don't actually have this diagnosis, but everything you're saying is resonating. Can you help me mm -hmm. out? And I was like, yeah, sure. Let's have a look at this. And that's how it grew. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, so your business is called Her Advantage, which first of all, I really like that name and your apparel is looking sick. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm super excited. And I think like, I guess that you kind of just said it all comes down to energy. And what's interesting when you say that is, I feel like a lot of us are possibly going through the ringer in the same way. And when I say the ringer, I mean, we're going into extreme diets, we're living stressed out lifestyles, we're in these environments that are full of like potential toxins. We just like, we're living this like fast fast paced first world life. And it's maybe not ideal for health. Um, and so do you think that a lot of the, I guess the contributors are the same, but the expression or the condition in people is different, you know, in terms of like, you've got people that have PCOS, or you've got people that have got other issues hormonally. Do you think that it's just that people express the same, like the same input differently? Or do you think that there are specific things where you would be like, hey, look, PCOS is 100% an insulin thing. Um, and this is diet. And this is that's primarily going to be the big contributor. Like, would you argue, that or would you say that there's it's a little bit more murky um i'm just gonna take everything you just said and switch that into my marketing if that's okay <laughs> absolutely and i think honestly i think that anything that happens to our body is a message to come inwards hey what's happening in our environment and there's so many different layers to that and again you kind of address the fact that yes we can look at toxins we can look at stress we can look at what's happening in the big bad world but it just comes down to us going hey what is it for us yeah the listening to your body thing is really hard for people you and I were actually just talking about it because I've had a month off being away you were like how was the break and I'm like you know what it's, it was really good like because I got back from the break and I feel refreshed and I want to work again and I'm enjoying it because before I went away I felt shitty. I kind of wasn't enjoying working. And I guess what I've realized now having hindsight is burnout and hating your job feel like the same thing. So you might be burning out and think it's because you hate your job, but it's because you haven't taken a break. And I feel like maybe that's the same thing where it's like, if we're not listening to our bodies and we're not just responding to what it needs, like I don't feel good or I feel really tired or I feel whatever. And we're not changing something like I guess it's how do we communicate how do we figure out how to communicate with our body better like why have we gotten into this position where we don't know how to do that and then how do we begin to do that 
So we're going to take your example of a holiday as point one in that. So if we go way back when to Galen and Hippocrates, you know, some of the first um, physicians, they kind of identified that we have these certain areas of our life, the air that we breathe, our creativity, our excretions, retentions, our food and drink, like there's all these sections of our life. And if we are only feeling one of them, so for you, it might've been work and training, then everything else kind of starts to dwindle away. And that's when burnout kind of happens, when we're ignoring the fact that we are human beings that are created with all these wonderful things. So that's the first place that we look at going, right, what are we missing? And it sounds, it almost sounds um, patronizing when you're like, oh, you need to go and have more fun. You need to fucking relax for a minute. And it's like, I can't relax. I'm not doing the thing. I don't deserve Mm -hmm. to relax. haven't achieved what I wanted to or whatever it is. And so we miss out in that point. And so that's probably the first place that we can start. Um, And then, of course, there are physiological measures like our body temperature, which is something that, you know, most of hopefully your listeners are pretty tuned into. Um, And then, of course, our cycle, which there's so many facets to that, Um, how we sleep, our digestion, all of these things. So it's layered is the short Mm -hmm. answer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Yeah. I think it's like, just because you can, doesn't mean you should with a lot of the behavioral stuff. And I guess where some of the communication probably gets lost is we really want to do something like we really want this job uh, promotion, or we really want to make sure that our kids do play five sports and we drive them to every single one and we pack their lunch because we want to make sure that they eat the food that we make them, not the school. You know, it's like we want to, and we think we can, and yes, maybe there's like the physical capacity there. Um, but it's like, I guess it's what compounds over time and the sneaky signals that we get from our body. If you're not tracking them, like your cycle, if you're not tracking and you're not familiar with how digestion should feel like, what is, what are your bowel movements? Like if you're not aware of those things, then maybe what your body's telling you is just missed. Maybe it's been there the whole time, but you just couldn't see it. So actually the BBT thing is super interesting because yes, I'm super familiar with tracking BBT, which is your basal body temperature. Um, It's your lowest body temperature, which is typically at some point during the night. And what we can do is you can either use like I use temp drop. So temp drop is just like a wearable Bluetooth Uh, temperature that you wear on your arm and it will monitor your temperature throughout the night. So it will take the lowest temp on its own or in the morning before you get up out of bed, you can take an oral thermometer under your tongue. Whenever I say take a thermometer and take your temperature, everybody's like in my vagina. And I'm like, no, no, you can if you want, but just under your tongue is fine. (laughs) And then you take your your basal body temp. It might be a little bit inaccurate, but you can get pretty, pretty accurate if you get your like practices right. So I know about that for looking for spikes throughout your period. Can you talk about what happens to your BBT when you're stressed? Two different things. It, well, yes, it'll go up or it'll go down. And this is why you want to collect data. So temp drop is probably the most accurate at this stage to be able to really collect a true BBT, which sounds so fucking cool when you say it, Kate. Hey, what's <laughs> doing at the moment? Um, and so we're looking for that data. So we can't just take our body temperature on one day and go, oh yeah, that's shown that our stressed. We need to know it over a period of months so that we have... Yeah a couple of cycles tracked. And even if you are someone who's listening, who has PCOS, endometriosis, 
hypothalamic amenorrhea and so just not a regular cycle, you still need a certain amount of data to be able to see where your trends are coming. So hypothetically, you have, you know, you've nailed your cycle. You do have a regular cycle. You start using your body temperature. Um, Yeah, you're going to see a difference with your stress. So it's either going to drop. And that typically will also come from other measures. So if you're really super stressed, you're either going to stop eating and so therefore you're not getting the fuel or you see a spike in cortisol and adrenaline, therefore increasing your body temperature. So there is no, you're only going to know that as well when you look at that data. Yeah. Interesting. So when I first started tracking my cycle, I was like, I'm going to go all in and I got the daisy thermometer. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's like, it's, I think it's like $400. It's outrageous. It's like 200 something euro, maybe roughly. I haven't looked at it in a while, but it's, you know, it's like internet in Germany or something. They have this incredible little commute computer in this thermometer and it has a light system. So it will flash green, uh, yellow or red. So when you get it synced up to your cycle, it takes like three cycles. It's meant to be green on the days that you're not fertile, I believe. And then red on the days that you're fertile, or it could be the other way around. I I'm not sure, but it's one of those things where it's a light system. It will flash orange if it's still trying to figure it out or it's not sure. I think I used it for two years, maybe two and a half before it actually broke. Um, And I never got a cycle where it would give me a green because my temps were different and so fucking up and down. And like, I'm like, okay, well, you know, maybe the first year I just wasn't tempering very well. Cause it's like, things can impact your temperature. Like if you didn't get four hours or three hours of consecutive sleep, if you got up in the morning to go to the bathroom and then went back to sleep for an hour and then took your temp, if you've been sick, if you had alcohol, if you've been stressed. And I think that it was stress that meant for the, that two year period, I just could not get a consistent cycle like mapped out with my bbt because my charts were fucking all over the place like even when i go back and look at them now i'm like oh god they just they don't even make sense um and i think you probably would immediately be like hey there's something going on with your temping um but yeah it just took so long and i think I really do think it was probably to do with training, um, eating as well, potentially. I don't really remember what my eating was like at the time, but I've been very up and down over the years, um, just competing, like all of that stuff. And then day-to-day stress as well, right? Like we think stress exists in these vacuums or in these bubbles, but they all interact. So there's daily stress as well. So yeah, it, it was just like two years of fucking trying to use this thermometer and never getting a cycle, never getting this green damn light. And I really was like, at the end. Um, and I didn't know it at the time. I just was like, it's just, I obviously, it's not working for me. I don't know why. Um, but it's been years now since that I've been like, I think it might've been stress and poor temping, like the combination of the two and just not being able to get it. So yeah, temp drop has been a, a godsend because it will just track you all night. But um, yeah, it's interesting how that interplay, because I you even said it then where you're like, you have to have your cycle sorted before you can track and monitor your stress via your BBT, right? Yeah, which can be really confronting again when you don't have a regular cycle because you're like, oh, what am I looking for? But that's kind of, that's how you start. And I'm going to kind of go off on a tangent here, but I want to come back to you and Daisy. So we're going to remember that, pinpoint that. Um, Is that, you know, with most treatments for PCOS, endometriosis, anything irregular, they, it's like, here, try this thing when we don't have an end goal in mind. And so... You don't know what a regular cycle is. You don't know what your body is meant to be doing. So what what's the outcome that you're looking for in 
the treatment. So for example, when you're tracking your temperature, like with the act of tracking your temperature, you're looking for spikes, ebbs and flows. You're looking for um, where your cycle might be sitting. So is it 28 days? Is it 35 days? Like where, where are we looking for these trends? And I think that's where we need to start from when it comes to treatment. So what I want to ask in the Daisy, your experience with Daisy, because I know that you had adult acne as well. Was that around that same time? Yeah, 100% it was around the same time. Um, So I went off the pill when I was 21. um, And then I was tracking my cycle from pretty young, but I um, was just tracking like, you know, the days that I was bleeding. And then, yeah, the Daisy would have been around the same time, like around, I reckon, 27, 28. And 28 was when like it started to go downhill and it took like three years before I kind of really got on top of it. But yeah, 100% would have probably been the same time. Yeah. Um, And so again, like you said, like hectically, you're like starting your competing journey, your training, like you probably, you were like, where were you at in terms of where you were eating were you fueling? Like, was it, you know? So um, I'm actually trying to align this. The, the It's so funny because now I'm like, you're just working your magic. Goddamn. So <laughs> I, I think I've even done it myself where it's like my eating and training. I think I was probably keeping separate to like hormone stuff a little bit. But so the two timelines that I have in my head is when I, I competed in 2015 um, and then I took a year off, I had some back stuff going on and then I came back and I was trying to compete again. And I think that was when I got a nutrition coach that fucked with me and gave me super low calories and I'd started to get back into full comp training. Um, so 2015, I was 25. So I would have been literally, I would have been like 27 when I started doing all this shit. And then my period went away. And then I think when it came back, that was when I started to really get into tracking it when it got like much more consistent again. So I think it would have been probably maybe nine to 12 months after I'd gotten it back after losing it for, you know, I only lost it for three months, but it was kind of inconsistent for another few months after that. But, um, boom, y'all, that's how she does it. Well, it's really hard because again, you know, you were training and you would do, you had a coach that you were working with, with your training. So you were like, right, I've got this sorted and I trust my coach. You were doing some nutrition work. So you're like, okay, I understand this. And we kind of, we segment it. We're like, we're ticking these boxes, but really it needs to work together. And it's not about, you know, again, I think it's really in vogue to talk about training with your cycle. It's not even about that. It's like linking what the fuck is your body telling you and how can you come back inwards? Yeah. The training with your cycle thing. Um, I've never fully stood by that whole thing of like, okay, well you should adjust your training on these days. And in this phase of your cycle, like I agree with maybe general ideas and guidance around if you feel these ways, if you have these symptoms, then maybe this would direct your training in these directions. But 100% there's no um, like prescription for training on a cycle for every woman. Um, Just the fact that the studies that they're doing on women, you don't even know who those women are. And there are cases where it's like they're much older. There are cases where they've got multiple kids. There are cases where they're untrained. So if you're speaking to someone like me, who's a highly muscled, well-trained athlete, and you're telling me to adjust my programming, it's like that doesn't apply to me because the people that they've got the information from are very different humans living very different lives. Um, So that stuff has just never quite gelled with me. Um, What do you do for people with regards to training in their cycle? I think you, I mean, you obviously just said it, but what are the adjustments 
adjustments that you quote unquote prescribe or at least guide people with when they are trying to train with their cycle? Like what does training look like for your clients? So it's not even about like, it wouldn't be a training thing. It's like, uh, you know, let's talk about some PMS symptoms then. Sometimes headaches, reduced sleep quality, um, reduced energy during the day, increased, you know, anxiety or depression episodes. So if you're experiencing shit sleep, a headache, a little bit of anxiousness, like period aside, what are you going to do? Are you going to show up to the gym and give it 110%? Probably yeah, not. Right. Mm. So that's kind of how we look at it. This is what your body is displaying. Like I said, shitty sleep, low energy, not feeling great. So yeah, don't go and smash yourself. Maybe can you, I know that you talk about reducing your training. Can you just show up and move a little? Can you maybe go to a yoga class? Can you just go to the beach and walk barefoot in the sand? Like what can you do for the right now that's going to serve shitty sleep, low energy, low mood, headaches, and still get you to where you want to be in 12 months time? Yeah, it's almost like we have to like detach ourselves from like the big goal of like, well, I really want to get jacked and I want to look this way and I want to have this thing going on and I want to make sure that I train five days a week and like that, I'll lose that progress if I don't do it. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. Yes, that's almost like the plan A, but then there's going to be those days that you just described where it's like you need to detach that day from the plan. And it's okay because there's also going to be days where like you're sick or like your kid is sick or, and like, you just can't. So you got to factor that in. What do you do on those days? Um, because if you're just like, I'm 100% committed to every single day being in like pursuit of this goal, it's like, well, you're going to get really fucked off when something that is totally out of your control, that's not even related to your body gets in the way. So you have to have a plan that has the plan B days and the plan C days and the plan D days, because it's just life. And if your plan doesn't factor that in, the plan's going to get real frustrating at some point, if not totally derailed. Um, so I really like that. I, I like that. It's like, Hey, just look at the day. What does, what does your body need on that day? Um, that's really but it cool. It goes back to like women understanding their body. Like we're not used to, we're so used to following the plan. Oh, you know what? CF programming has me in for four days this week. I need to go to four. I need, I need to do my four days. Well, yeah. I have to do it. Yeah. Your body is telling you like. Talking about specifically PCOS. Um, I think the tricky thing with PCOS is that it is diagnosed with a lot of people. Um, and it's not to say that it's not a common thing for people to struggle with, but I think it's potentially misdiagnosed a lot as well. Is that the case? Is that like, what, if you have someone who's like, I have PCOS, like, what are you taking them through to make sure they actually have PCOS? Okay. Good question. Um, <laughs> not to like, and I'm kind of going to side step a little bit, but I'm going to come back to what we were talking about with the training with the cycle. And it's like, cool, you have acne, you have an irregular cycle. We don't know if you're ovulating or not. Like we kind of look at the symptoms that are being displayed rather than you have this thing. So we need to treat for this. It's more like, oh, okay. I really like that. Mm, yeah, that's awesome. What's happening in your body. How can we support what's happening over here rather than keeping you in a box? Yeah. Like seeking out that label. Yeah. 
most, and I'm going to say this, and if I trigger you, maybe this is something to look into. But if you are <laughs> someone who are like, no, I have PCOS, I have endometriosis, I have this thing, and you hold on tight to that, you are going to have those symptoms for however long you decide to hold on to that for. But until you start to pull that apart and go, right, this is actually what my body's doing. How can I look into maybe what that's asking of me? Then we can start to figure out a course of action out of it. Mm, mm, that is really fucking cool and powerful. I really like that because the diagnosis thing is it just it's one, I think it's tricky. And two, I think that people are looking for their symptoms to be validated and the symptoms are valid regardless of whether you have PCOS or you don't. It's kind of the reality, I guess. 100%. You just blew my mind. That's really cool. 100%. Like you are experiencing shitty skin. You are experiencing a shitty period, a painful period, a non-existent period. Like yeah, I will 100% validate the symptoms, but it doesn't mm. give you a label. You're mm. a fucking mm. human being with stuff going on. Yeah, um, yeah. I had a client come to me recently who um, had this label of PCOS and was, you know, going down the gynecology, gynecology path and they put her through all of these extensive ovulation testing. And I was like, do you know what your body symptoms are? Like what your body, when you ovulate in your body, what your body will display as a symptom. And she's like, no. I'm like, okay, but you also don't have a period. She's like, correct. I'm like, well, if you don't have a period, you're technically not ovulating. So why would they put you through these testing? Like that blew her mind. She didn't even like, here she went <laughs> through all these tests. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. But also, doesn't the fucking gynecologist know this? Like, yeah, that seems strange. Right. And so, again, there's just so much unuseful information coming from people that we trust and that we hold in these big positions that are really fucking us up at the, at the base level. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, I heard a really nice analogy for the medical community and it's not a knock on, you know, people that have spent years studying and are very good and are trying to help people. But I heard that, you know, doctors, it's almost like, um, what's that phrase where it's like, when you're holding a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And yeah. it's this idea that if you've been taught how to perform C-sections, every birth looks like a C-section. If you've been taught how to diagnose and test, every PCOS person looks like someone you need to diagnose and test. And so they just do that because that's what they've been taught how to do. Um, and so that idea of like, yeah, man, when you're holding a hammer, every, everybody looks like a nail. I'm like, ah, yes, that's what's happening when you're going and getting treatment from someone who's been through that education system. Yeah. So but with I mean PCOS, oh yeah, please continue. You went to uni, didn't you? You've been to uni? Yeah, but for a film degree. <laughs> oh, my God. How fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, um, I have not got a degree that is in the medical field or anything like that. That's fucking sick, Kate. <laughs> so, like, I'm, I'm an exercise physiologist by trade, went to university, have a fucking master's degree. And the thing that I pulled out of that is critical fucking thinking. Okay, mm. here is the data in front of us. What do we want to do with it? Not, like, if I was an exercise physiologist, I'd still be probably telling people to do sit-to-stands to help with leg strength. I don't even yeah. know. Like, <laughs> and so, yes, you studied, you dove into the research, but... Are you really doing your best with that? 
I'm Actually, so burnt and so triggered have, on me. Do you know what? I started reading a book, a pregnancy book, um, called Expecting Better. And I cannot think of the name of the author, um, but that's the name of the book, Expecting Better. She's got a couple books. She is an economist. And so she's someone who's never studied anything to do with like pregnancy, birth, female health. Um, but she's like, let me tell you this. I fucking understand data. And so she's been like, you know, totally pedantic in her pregnancies around figuring out what the research says on the studies. So rather than don't drink caffeine, don't have raw meat, you can't eat eggs. She's like, what does the data say? And then I'll make an informed decision. That's a personal decision based on my, um, I guess, adversity to risk. So she has gone and looked at the data and she kind of talks through what she finds as well as her own personal decisions around it and what she's kind of been okay with and not okay with. But just the beginning of the book, I think it's in the first chapter, she just explains that, what you just said, where it's like, get the data, make an informed decision. No one can tell you what to do or what not to do without explaining why. And I think that, you know, you go to a doctor and they're like, do this, take the birth control pill. And it's like, well, why? What's what's the actual outcome of I've got a fucked up period. I go on the birth control, like go on the hormonal birth control. What's the outcome? Give me the, give me the numbers on it. And you probably don't have doctors that could give you that. And so it was just a really nice, like, oh yeah, look at the fucking data and then make a decision. Like there's no right or wrong. That's what you have to almost move away from. It's like, find the data and then let that inform you and you'll figure out what's right for you. Um, and that's as big as you want it to be on the scale of like fucking births. And then as small as you want it to be on the scale of like, are you ovulating or not? And what are the symptoms that you need to be tracking? Yeah. But also like, and that's coming back to learning to trust yourself. Like really just trust your own and back your own decisions. Mm. Like we don't feel safe in that space either. Um, how do you deal with people that like want to start tracking, but it's just you, <laughs> when you start tracking, it feels like there's a lot of information. You don't really know what anything means and you can't interpret anything. Like <laughs> how do you get people to get started? One, I honestly believe that if you wake up in the morning and take your temperature, you the, literally the first thing you've done at the beginning of the day, you have done for you. And that's, you know, we're talking about women who are career driven or like um, parents. Generally, they are the first, the last thing, sorry, on the list of things that, you know, get to be ticked off. So it's also starting to flip that mindset that you're allowed to put mm. yourself first and serve yourself. Um, I just, I had a really good second point there and I've lost it. <laughs> Always the way. <laughs> temps. Um, you're learning a new language. Like you're not going to go, yeah. Oh, I want to learn French and then download Duolingo and voila, you learn French. <laughs> you stick there and repetitively yes. repeat the fucking phrases until you're like, Oh, now I can string a sentence together. Now I can say a paragraph. Like this is something that women really need to also understand is that it is a whole new language for you to be able to be fluent in your body. Mm. And you know yeah. this with your nutrition, right? Like when you're planning your week and your training and your date nights or whatever, you're like, you come back inwards. What do I need right now? And you speak fluent Kate, right? Or you're, you know, you're, learning, <laughs> you're, even learning. you're still learning fluent Kate. And so yeah. that's where we start to put, that's what the mindset shift that we need when we're learning body temperature. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. I think, and that said, it's like being open to learning. And at first it's going to be totally new information that makes no sense. It's going to be like, you're trying to read a paragraph in French, 
but you can't speak French yet. <laughs> be honest too, because like generally when you're at the stage that you're doing something to understand your cycle, to understand your body, you're fucking fed up and frustrated. Like mm. you've tried so many different things. You've been to so many different people to get help. You think you're doing all the right thing and here's your body fighting you. And so you're like, I don't want to fucking sit down and learn the language. I just want mm. help. and I want it sorted out now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The timeline thing is hard. I think, you know, unless, you know, there's sort of two people, you get people that are at their breaking point that have hit rock bottom and they're like, you know what, (laughs) I'm willing to do whatever it takes for as long as it takes. Those people are great to work with. (laughs) It's like they've been through the worst, but they're great because they're like, you know what, tell me what to do and I will do it. Um, They're just so open to just like doing what they need to do and they'll do it for as long as it takes. Um, They're less resistant, but they've also kind of gone through the shittiest of shitty things. And so if it takes that to get that person to be open to learning, it's like, that's not ideal. Um, So then the other person is the person that can be a little resistant. Once it's done now, the timeline is very short. They aren't, you know, putting in maybe even the money, like they're not necessarily investing the money. Um, Like you said, it's like, we have like very career driven women. We have parents that put their children first, that put their families first that have a lot of big responsibilities on their plate and it's like hey I really hate to break it to you but your timeline is way too short um if you had to pick like your ideal amount of time to work with someone even regardless of whether they had like really crazy bad symptoms or not what would be your sort of medium time frame to really help change someone in terms of symptoms shitty stuff going on and getting it in the right direction to the point that you're satisfied At the bare minimum, at the absolute bare minimum, three months. Mm-hmm. Um, at the top end, years. Like yeah. a lot of the women that come to me, they honestly don't even have the energy to train. Like to them, going to the gym is such a fucking car- um, foreign concept because they don't even have the energy to do the things they need to do during the day. And so, like, it's so funny. I have a couple of women at the moment and I distinctly remember the conversation where they're like, I'm not going to the gym. And now they're deadlifting <laughs> 100 kilos. They're, like, the in the 5.30 a.m. club. Like, and, you know, this is 18 months, two years in. Mm-hmm. So, and that's not me being like, this is where you have to go. That's them going, oh, my God, I feel fucking good in my body. Let, what, what's the next step to that? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, bare minimum, three months, upwards of years. It just depends yeah. on how the – and we talk, you spoke about spending the money there, but it's also the time investment. What's the investment that you want to spend on getting to fucking know yourself and getting to fucking know your body? Yeah, and I think funnily enough, when you actually – when you ask someone to help you with that, it does accelerate the process. Um, I think that you can spend years just running on a wheel with – without any guidance, slowly figuring it out. And that's probably been the path that I took. Like if I could do anything different when I started tracking my cycle, I wish that I did. Like the two years that I spent using Daisy, fuck, I would have not wasted that time. Just like, just straight off the bat, there's like two years I could have saved. But yeah, I wish I did kind of reach out and get some help. And like, you know, I guess I'm privileged to be in a position where I can help people with this now. Um, But even then, like the idea of having to track your period, it's like, it seems like it's such a big inconvenience to people. So I think, you know, what you said around, you got to change the mindset of it. Like, it's not, how do I make sure I take my temperature? It's how do you fucking prioritize and make sure that this new quote unquote 
burden isn't viewed as a burden. It's seen as this really important investment that you make in yourself that is going to be life altering <laughs> at the end of the, at the end of once you get through it, you know, once you've learned the language. Well, like we're bleeding for, what is it? A third of our life or something? Like, are you really yeah. just a third of our life complaining? Like these are literally the best years of our life. Let's fucking own that. Let's in, you know, not to quote my own shit, but like, let's use this to your advantage here. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I think, you know, I actually also really like the idea, especially for women that are younger. I think women that are older kind of get it because they start to really consider their fa- their health, they factor it in. I think women that, you know, are in their maybe 20s, early 30s, until they're trying to get pregnant or until they're getting close to perimenopause and starting to maybe experience some perimenopause symptoms, it's like they don't think about it. But if you're investing your time now, pregnancy, getting your period back after pregnancy, getting pregnant again, um, you're, you're just your whole experience of menopause, which could be fucking 10 years. Like you don't know what that's going to be like, but like you just set yourself up for so much success later down the track. Um, and if people could connect that to what they're doing now with their cycle and their health, it's like, you know, we talk about it as like, do you ever talk about it as a monthly report card? Some, I like, I think when I started, I did, but yeah. I think that's an old, like, I don't know, Dr. Stacey Sims thing. Someone was like handing it's that Lara, Lara Bryden. Ah, uh, yeah, Lara Bryden, maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we can kind of talk about it as this every month you get a health report card and it's what your period's like. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it heavy? Is it short? Is it, are you having a lot of spotting? Are you not? Are you like, was there a lot of pain? Like, what's just the whole experience of it? That's a report card. And then I heard someone say, that menopause is the final exam. <laughs> I was like, oh, damn. <laughs> so I was like, I'm kind of into that. So this idea that like, you know, what we're doing with our periods is actually just leading us up to pass this really big fuck off exam. Um, so when you factor that in, when people can get that into their brains and it's like, hey, this is a long-term investment. And if you can like bring the urgency in now, you will be really proud of yourself and fucking grateful for it when you hit your, you know, mid forties, early fifties and everybody around you is starting to deal with this stuff and you know, what's up. Well, it's funny when you were talking about that, cause like, I know you and I both started like our journeys in our twenties. And so how do we, and I have so many girls in our, in their twenties around me. I'm like, how do I talk to you? How do I tell you now <laughs> this is, you don't need a better 5k time. You, well, maybe you do, but how can you support your body in that 5k time? How do we really support girls in their twenties to start fucking celebrating their bodies? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, God, that's a really good question. Very loaded. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I think, okay. Yeah. Look the way, here's my, here's my tactic. I talk about my period. And that's, that's it. That's all you can really do, right? Like, it's like, I could lecture and I could like fucking hound on people and I could write books. I could send out emails, but ultimately I think the more that you try and push it, it's like, I don't think people will listen. It's like, they have to want the information. And so we, it's part of it is like, you know, I think it's bigger than us, but I think then the other part is like, 
talking about training should include talking about our period. Like when I'm writing about, oh, I just hit a PB. It's like, what day of your cycle are you on? Put fucking CD, whatever, 16. Like I fucking ovulated and I deadlifted today. What, what? Like, you know, it's like, it, I just, I enjoy that comparison. And it's something that I, I want everybody to do with training to know what day of your cycle are you on when those good things and bad things are happening. Cause that's super valuable information. So I think that like, just making it a common part of your dialogue it's like hey like yeah the the shit that's going on with your cycle when if we all get into the habit of talking about it like it's just like this thing that we just talk about I think I think that's kind of like the beginning of it you know where it's like we're probably not going to change the world overnight but it, it changing the world doesn't happen overnight so <laughs> yeah we're trying though we're trying <laughs> So tell me a little bit about like, how did you find your way down this? Obviously you did um, uh, a master's degree. You did ex-phys in school and then carried on to do your master's. And were you seeking this information out because you struggled with it or was it because you just enjoyed it? And then later on you had issues that you had to figure out, like what was your path into all of this? Look, it sounds really great that I have a master's degree, but I did it in Bathurst. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I also have a master's degree in drinking. Um, (laughs) This is going to connect to your issues, isn't it? (laughs) It probably is. So I had a pretty miserable childhood and not in the sense of like I wasn't abused or anything like that. Like I was just a miserable child growing up. Um, Played a lot of sport. Played. I was a water polo player. um, And my mum literally could not feed me enough like Mm. hungry all the time, shitty skin, um, irregular cycle, painful periods, like all of the stuff and ended up in exercise physiology because as an undergrad with ex-phys, everyone went off and did physio and I was like, I do not want to touch people for the rest of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then when I graduated with my master's, I started working with um, chronic disease population and the whole ethos behind exercise physiology is exercise is medicine. I meant to help people feel better through exercise. And I was like, well, hang on a minute. I don't have full control over what's happening in my body. To be honest, I don't feel great in my body. I was training CrossFit at the time, eating paleo. Um, And I was like, who the fuck am I to stand in a gym teaching people that exercise is medicine when I don't feel fucking great? So that was kind of the first step with me. And I'd had my PCOS diagnosis for about four years at this point. How old were you Um, when you had that diagnosed? I was 22, 21, 22. Mm -hmm. But again... Like I was, I'd had symptoms since I was like all through my teenage years. Um, but again, like upon reflection, I'd come off the pill and just not got my cycle back. And so they're like, oh yeah, you have PCOS. When like, was it PCOS? Was I just partying too much? Was I not eating properly? Was it like post pill amenorrhea? Like, Mm. oh no. So then I went on the path, though, of the whole PCOS thing. Yeah. Do you remember what they did to diagnose it? Was there anything specific that you can recall? 
Um, so it's obviously, so in the medical world, you have to have three symptoms to classify yourself as PCOS. Um, so mine was irregular cycle. Um, I had cysts on my ovaries, which we now know is also not a PCOS. Um, it's, it's most women have cysts on their ovaries. It's not a bad thing. Um, and acne so they were my three mm. things that were, they were yeah. like cool. yeah you have PCOS um I got sent to obviously gynecology I got sent to um I ended up having like a MRI or something on my pituitary like the investigal the medical investigation route that I went down was insane and now what I know that I needed to do I'm like what the fuck were we doing (laughs) um but still like it wasn't so I just I was like cool I have PCOS I just need to look after the PCOS thing I think I went back on the pill to regulate my cycle um oh yeah that old chestnut yeah you guys listening can't see that I just did inverted commas there when I said a regular cycle um Again, I'm sure that if you're listening to Kate's podcasts, you know by now, if you are on any form of birth control, hormonal birth control, you do not have a cycle. Even if you are bleeding every month, it is not a real cycle. Um, And it wasn't until I was late 20s, honestly, that it was like, oh, cool. There's like, then there's an energy balance. So there's something like between my training, between my stress, between my food, it has to be fucking balanced. And it's not train this many days, eat this many calories, do my morning gratitude. Like there's a bigger balance at play here. That's literally, (laughs) everybody's listening is like, oh, fuck. (laughs) That's what my balance is. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. So, um, I know let's be real. Like if you're doing these things, if you're tracking your food, if you're exercising, if you're doing your morning gratitude, you are 75, 80% of the way there. Like you are fucking so close to your breakthrough, to your body fluency, but that you've just got to connect the three of them, not see them as three separate things. Mm. So how did you break through? What was the turning point for you? If there was, you know, I think often people ask questions like, what was the thing you did? What was the turning point? What was the catalyst? And it's like, fuck, there's probably 20 contributing factors. But what did it look like for you? It looks like linking in my cycle to all these things and, and just paying attention to what was happening. Like I said, if I was getting sleeplessness or headaches or acne or those or whatever, um, it looked at increasing my fucking food. It looked Mm -hmm. at going, right. I'm sitting, I'm tracking my calories. I'm tracking my macros and I don't want to go above this number. What does it look like? And how does my body respond if I do increase my calories? Um, it looked at my training. What is my fucking goal in training? Um, it looked at being more open with my food. And I think in, I need to, I want to be really cautious when I say this. And we started the podcast with, there are so many different layers 
to a health journey. Like we can look at the toxins, we can look at the um, micronutrients, we can look at the quality of food that we're eating. Um, but that also did play a big role for me. So it looked like eating my organ meat, which I have a question for you on that because I saw your stories this morning that you were putting your beef liver in capsules. Why don't you just buy the capsules? <laughs> because I thought I bought capsules and oh, I bought no. fucking powder. <laughs> Okay. I got totally so, spoiled on some like really nice beef liver from the farmer's market a few, actually it was probably a couple months now. <laughs> they sell like beautiful cheese. Um, and then they happen to have like turmeric and beef liver, which I think it's just because some of the farms close to them, they just sell it for them. But uh, yeah, I was like, oh, this looks amazing. And she was like, tell me how it goes. Tell me how you end up using it. And I'm like, I'm just going to swallow it. But okay, <laughs> get home. Uh, it's just a tub of literally fucking dried beef liver ground up um, and it is brown and it is, yeah, it's everywhere. <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to buy some capsules so I actually use this because I wasn't pouring it on. I was like, I'll pour it on my mints or I'll put it in smoothies. And like, I just didn't. So hence I bought the capsules. I bought the capsule making machine and I was making my own liver capsules. Not because I am a rocket science scientist or <laughs> starting some kind of lab, but just because I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> and it also in that it, it takes owning up with, okay, what's not working for me? Oh, I didn't do this thing. So how can I? How what how can I problem solve this? For Kate, mm. it was going to buy a fucking capsule machine and <laughs> problem solved. Um, and so getting the nutrients through my food. Again, if we're in if you're a female who has any sort of hormonal shit going on, you are being sold to at every different level, be it skincare routine, mm. be it um the period like panties or cups be it um all of your supplements um like you're being sold to at every level and if you fucking know your body and what it needs you're not going to be spending money on unnecessary supplements which can get really fucking expensive money that you could probably spend on coaching to understand what the fuck is happening in your body yeah absolutely yeah actually and that's been something with um a lot of the pregnancy stuff that i've been looking into it's like people spend so much money buying like baby clothes and the prams and like doing the house up. And it's like, spend that money on a lactation consultant, a sleep consultant and a doula for after the baby's arrived, stop prepping for all the shit that you need before it gets here. You need to do something for yourself for after it's here. Cause that shit's going to be wild. Um, and it's the same thing, right? It's like, we spend all our money in the wrong direction. Um, when it's like, it's funny because it's almost like we're going to try and bypass the expensive thing by getting the slightly less expensive thing, but you end up ultimately spending more money. It's like, don't spend it on the su supplements. The supplements should be the last thing you buy. And I think that's probably been my issue with naturopaths as well. And I um, don't want to knock on naturopaths. They are usually my go-to for, you know, addressing shit that I can't do on my own, but fuck me, the supplements that you end up with from naturopaths. Oh my Lord. <laughs> well, can we address like, I think that, and look, let's be honest, the quality of supplements that they're going to give you are going to be of the highest quality. Like naturopaths really hone in on the micro. Mm. But the one thing that you and I teach, Kate, is to firstly fucking eat enough food to support your body. Yeah. And if you combine those two things, you will literally be unstoppable. But if you are not eating enough, you are not sleeping well enough, you are not understanding your energy balance, those supplements are just going to be fucking expensive and you're going to resent your body even further in the long run. So let me tell you a story. 
and I want your take on it as Coach Mel. I had a client who I was actually pretty unwilling to take on because she was like, I want to lose weight for my wedding. My wedding's in however many months. I think it might have been like four months. And I was like, ah, fucking hell. She's like, I have PCOS. I'm trying to change my eating. And I was like, okay, if we're going to do this, we're not going to do it the way that you want to do it. We're going to do it in a way where we plan longer than when your wedding is. The end of the diet is not when your wedding is. We plan this for like, if your wedding's in four months, we've got a seven month plan so that you continue to eat in a way that supports you, that makes sure that you don't binge after you've hit your wedding, that makes sure you don't gain a whole lot of weight. You know, it's like, let's try and do this in a way that makes sense. Um, And then I was like, with the PCOS thing, like we are not going to be extreme with your macronutrients. Like I need you to start to like, like, like you said, we need to find balance um, and address literally energy balance. Um, And we did not succeed. She um, absolutely despised me in the end, actually. And she quit. (laughs) She was like, I am consistently gaining weight. Um, And she's like, I can't tolerate carbohydrates. I shouldn't be eating any. I need to go back to keto. Um, I'm, this is terrifying before my wedding. And it, which was really hard because, you know, we'd really had this very deep discussion around like, we are not here to just fucking strip fat before your wedding. That's not what I'm going to do. So if you're on board, then you're on board to do it this way. And it didn't work out that way. And we just like, it was an unfortunate, like just not good. But um, yeah, how do you, how do you help people that are simultaneously wrestling with this whole thing around like gaining weight and you know even for women that there's sort of like one group that will actually gain weight um and sometimes it can be significant but most of the time it's you know potentially two to three kilos um and then there are women that actually won't gain weight but are totally terrified of it and are looking for all the signs that they're gaining weight so they'll often do random weigh-ins Um, and if it's a day of fluctuating, like the week before their period, they're like, I've gained three kilos. And I'm like, Hey man, have you taken a average weight maybe for like the period of a whole week rather than just like one random way in when you don't feel very good about yourself and your weight's up because you're holding onto more water before your period. (laughs) Um, so what do you do with, with that person? Like, how do you handle it? Do you, that, do you just essentially have this kind of, Hey, if you need to gain weight to deal with this, then you gain weight and that's how we're going to do it. Do you have like a, Hey, there's, there's like, there's not, there's not going to be a lot of weight gain. There might be some, like, how do you address that issue? There's so many different avenues that I want to take this conversation. Take it down Um, all of them. Do it. (laughs) The first one is I think the real, and I like, excuse the pun, but the weight that we have on looking a certain way or being a certain way, like no offense to your client but if you're four months out and wanting to lose weight like that's not that's are you what are you getting married for do you love the guy do you just want to celebrate in front of everyone like is how you weigh in on that day really gonna be the overarching thing that's gonna dictate whether or not you have a great wedding um I did some work with a client of mine a PCOS client She's an artist and got invited to do a um, live drawing um, or a live painting workshop where she was the model and she was petrified. She's like, I'm a bigger girl. I, you know, um, these women are going to see me naked, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, cool. What's the benefit of 
being painted in all your glory as you are right now. And she's like, you know, if this isn't, I'm giving you the short version of this conversation. This wasn't a 30 second conversation. Um, but the end of it was, you know, all body types need to be celebrated that, you know, because I do have curves, um, the light's going to catch me differently and I'm going to look, um, I'm going to give different structures for these other women to paint like it. So it became this, oh my God, I can celebrate my body and all its glory for what it is. If we're going to go down the PCOS route to root, root to really look at nutrition, we have to get them to feel safe. Like PCOS and stress so tightly linked. So if she's got in her head that she's going to gain weight, she's probably going to gain weight. Like that's something that she doesn't feel safe and secure in being able to lose it. And so the first place we try is even just like, I don't give them any macros. I don't give them any calories. I'm like, you just need to track your food for a week or two weeks and we're going to get an average and go from there. And so kind of proving to them, well, this is where you're sitting at the moment and we don't make too many changes suddenly because it's just getting them to feel safe in -hmm. the short You did nothing wrong in that. Like there's nothing, you know that there's not, not... you can't make sustainable long-term changes in four months because really that's your data collecting point. That's a shitty thing to say out loud. And I know that some people are going to hear that and be like, oh, fuck, like it's Christmas in four months. It's summer in four mm-hmm. months. Like, But I want to look better in four months. There's a lot that you can do in four months, but that a lot you can do is really fucking getting safe and happy in your body to make long-term changes. Yeah, that's um, always a very hard realization. Um, I've been doing some like little six-week coaching sessions with people and it really is just such a beginning phase for everybody and the conversation at the end of it is it always goes like this. Holy fuck, I realize how much like this is going to take longer than I think. And you're like, and that's okay. Like that's cool. It's all right because, you know, ideally you're going to keep doing this stuff for a long time. So the longer it takes, you just get to practice it more. So, and that's cool. That's good. The only way that we fuck ourselves with that is when we don't readjust expectations. And that's when people blow up. That's when people get pissed off. That's when I have clients quit on me. (laughs) But yeah, I think it's like, we have to really um, adjust expectations. And like you said, I think that comes when you feel safe. Yeah. But it's like, and you just said it as well. And you did it with her. Like we're doing it for the long term. If you want, if you have a four month plan, I want to create a seven month plan. Like we're not, the tools that Kate and I are trying to teach you are lifelong tools. They're not tools that you use for six weeks, four months, even a year. Like this is like, I keep coming back to, this is a language that we're learning and we want to be able to adapt it. And so, Mm. you know, even for you, Kate, if you're going to go into um, preconception or you take what you know and you adapt it, you know, coming into menopause, you take what you know and you adapt it. It's not a, it's not it's so that you don't have to learn a whole new language every time your body does something that is new to you. Mm. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, and right there it's like we've come full circle. It's like there's there's the reason that you do it. Um, you learn the language and you learn it once and 
it's ever evolving, but you once you get the basics down, you're going to be pretty set. Um, so you kind of do have to take the challenge on. But fuck, man, if it's fucking 12 months, let's let's go for a longer time frame. If it's 12 months out of your entire life, that's not that much. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm even thinking now, like, you and I in our 30s, if someone said to us at 20, like, congratulations, you're 20 years old, you survived your teenage years, I'm going to spend 12 months with you getting you fluent in your body. Like how fucking powerful would that have been into the into your 20s, into your like yeah. now in your 30s? Oh my God, right? If I knew yeah. what I knew now. <laughs> you know yeah. you're old when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> you also know that like I'm going to say that again in like five years. <laughs> be like, I know. Five years ago, if I knew what I knew. <laughs> Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been enlightening. It's been interesting. It's been fucking, it's got me fired up. Um, and it's just been really cool. I think that it's just a nice, it's just nice to hear the way that you talk about things. You have a very clear take on it, which I really appreciate. I think it's very easy to fall into the traps of the way that everybody talks about, you know, trying to do it the better way or the right way. Um, and I just think you've gotten really clear on like, hey, you know what? Fuck the labels. Let's just actually look at what your body's doing and let's treat that. Um, so I really appreciate that. And I think that it will be valuable for everybody listening, um, regardless of what you're dealing with. So that's awesome. Thanks for your time, Mal. You're amazing. Thanks, Kate. Um, guys, you can find Mel on Instagram. What is your handle, Mel? At Melanie K underscore, I think. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah. If you go into Instagram and you just find out who I'm following and search Melanie, she will come up. Um, and her your website is, is it her advantage? No, it's Mel dash K. But find me on the gram. Hit me up yeah. on the gram. Um, I'm all about conversations. Like I really think that social media is a social platform and okay. I don't have as many followers as Kate, so I'm not having, you know, <laughs> thousands of people flooding my inbox, but like, if you have questions, I have this big thing. I have this analogy, right? If you're going to start working with a coach, start fucking dating them, get in their world, <laughs> absorb their content, have a chat with them, like see if they're the person that you actually want to spend time with. I'm stealing that. Big time. That is awesome. Start dating them. Okay. Awesome. Amazing. Thanks, Mel. And uh, we'll see you guys soon. Bye.